Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV, on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at Benator Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is Smart and Sensitive Kids. Maybe you know one. The child that thinks deeply and feels deeply too. They are the ones who react intensely to experiences you thought were everyday and ordinary. They surprise you, knock you off your game, if you had a game, and create lots of doubts and questions in the thoughtful parents who are trying to support and teach them. Tonight I have two couples at the square table with me, Jolie and Ricky Hartman, who have two smart and sensitive girls. So they've got double the whammy on this one. And if I remember correctly from the old days when they were little in, in family time, you would always say, no, it's never just one. Each one has, they, they like flip and take turns at being the smart or the sensitive one in that moment. So there's no predictability, which I think is what makes this a great topic. Um, and we also have Aaron and Peter Feldman, who have three children, and we'll find out who's the most sensitive one and how that changes the game. So Jolie, it was your question that started this conversation, and you unexpectedly read them the book, The Giving Tree, and you were like, whoa, what just happened? So I read them The Giving Tree, which I thought was premature, because they're only three, and I didn't think that they would understand it all. We more just read it because... It was on the bookshelf. Because we had it. And halfway through... What did you say? Halfway through, Drew got really upset when the boy took the branches away. And, like, turned her head away and just said, I don't want to read the story anymore. And was really upset. And... I kind of just said, oh, just listen to the story, because we had just finished reading a story about finishing things that you start. And we finished the story, and our other daughter started sobbing, like freaking out. I could just feel for her in this moment. I can feel it. Sobbing, like tears, like I've never seen her cry before. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, the story ended, the story ended, read it again. And so I read it to her again. And she was quiet, listen, and then again starts sobbing. Mm-hmm. I think you had left the room the second time. No, we, you actually, Drew didn't want to read it, so you took Dylan in her bed, and I was doing rubbing Drew's back in her bed before bedtime. And she was sobbing, and she just got, like, really upset. No, 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 the next night she asked me to read it to her again. That's when she started getting really upset. And she said, I don't, this story is... This boy is so mean, and I feel so bad for the tree, and, you know, this this boy is so rude, actually is what she said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, you know, I feel so sad for this tree, and I was, like, shocked. 
think I was lying in her bed texting you that I can't That's believe Aaron. this. <laughs> yeah. Aaron. I feel so bad right now. Like Dylan's like hysterical. I just read her the, the giving tree and I, I can't even believe she understands and I feel so bad. And then you texted me back like, I can't even read that book. It's a tough book, and, but well, and but again, right. this isn't I mean, to make anybody feel bad or feel guilty. No, I, I think thought it'd be so over her head. It's there. It's but. and it, what's so shocking when you sent me that message, because I could remember vividly a year and a half ago, or a year ago when they were still with us, and I would and you would bring me new questions. But they were, you know, for twos or for an 18-month. And we're like, how are they thinking and feeling this? And I think that book, while it's not everybody's, you know, situation, captures something about smart and sensitive. Because you cannot imagine that they have the insight or the feelings or the... And I think when I was trying to write the intro, it was the depth. The depth that went, what, what are they understanding? And so you're reading the book again and you're thinking... Do I, are they trying to process it? Is it a good thing to read the book a second time? Am I making it worse? Am I making it better? And the answer is nobody yeah, can know. really I know. know. I mean, I think I want to say, you know, the best you can really say is, are you sure that made you sad? But if they want to try to go deep into it, they're going to go deep into it with this whole iceberg that's coming that you can't see with the experience so I think it's I think it's a fascinating topic it doesn't make your parenting any easier but um, I have always loved the stories you bring to me because they're unique okay so Ricky fill us in on who the girls are and and especially on how as because it's a unique situation because they're twins too so you got a double whammy Um, they're very unique girls Drew is, I would say, the softer, shy, more laid back. And Dylan is just loud, goofy, silly, funny, deep. And they're very much individuals. And then they have their moments where they're just so much alike right. and best friends. Right. Okay, and do you, what, where do you get stuck or feel the challenge of smart and sensitive? And I only ask in the sense that I know that you've spent these last three years just trying to understand them. And yes. they challenge you. Oh, yeah. They don't um, fit the book. It just depends on the mood and the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if you could be playing a game with Drew, and you learn that she's the kind of person she likes things in order, and she knows when it's her turn. For example, last week we were playing basketball in their little basketball net, and we were all taking turns. And I went before it was her turn, and she gets very upset, very sensitive, thinking we intentionally were skipping over her. Right, right, right. And or if it was someone else's turn. Yeah, or if it was. I mean, if you break the rules turn. in any way that yeah. she's going to be the police person monitoring. Exactly. <laughs> the, the rule keeper. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And those are, if they're hard questions because they're not. These are not children that you can just go. Get over it. Be okay. Like, roll with it. If if you try to just sort of dismiss it, it's going to escalate for you. Yeah. Okay, so let's hear from uh, Erin first and see how you would describe um, your kids. In that regard, I don't have any kids who you can just say, get over it, it's okay, we'll walk away. Um, So tell us the ages. I have a just-turned-seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. 
two boys and a girl. And um, when I walked in here, I said, you know, it's really my oldest who's the smart and sensitive one. But in thinking about it, actually, all of my children at least meet the sensitive role, I guess. And how would you describe that sensitivity? Um, well, my middle one is really uh, quite manipulative, and he, so he uses that smart and sensitive angle. Um, I was reminded, actually, a moment ago that every morning when we, when we drop off at preschool, there is a tantrum start, that sometimes starts at 7 o'clock in the morning, doesn't end until 9.02, because I drop them off, and I walk out of the room, and they flip the switch, and they're totally fine, nothing, mm-hmm. both of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I had the same thing with my oldest as well. So quick question on that. Do mm-hmm. you think that it's the anticipation that they're feeling it, or is it just, I need to do this for mom so that, so that she leaves <laughs> with a little tug on her heart? Um, so I think that it's a little bit of both. On Wednesdays they have swimming, so or at least the middle one has swimming, so he the anticipation of that I think gets to him. But he definitely does it for show. It's... And my oldest did the same thing, and the second I would walk out of the room, I mean, Jolie said that she'll still be in there and she'll watch the middle one give a smirk and laugh and kind of turn around. Okay. That it's fully for my benefit. Okay, so a little more on the dramatic side. A little bit, yeah. But I think, you know, I think if you talk to most, um, you know, actors and actresses out there in the world, you might find out that a lot of them, you know, have that real sensitivity (laughs) and access to emotions. So whether it's that word like manipulative it's still a skill and it's still an insight into emotional drama that might not be typical of everybody their age yeah well comparing all the kids they're totally different in in their own way the oldest two which seven three but they're the oldest two um they're not rule followers. They're rule makers. Okay. They'll make up their own rules as they go, and they want the other one to follow their rule, and it's never the uh, same. I disagree. I think that my oldest is very much a rule follower. But he still tries to make his own rules, and tries to he tries to manipulate the middle one to follow the rules. And, oh, for example, he'll have a toy, and he wants his brother's toy, so he'll trade something that's just sitting there sure. for that toy sure. to get it and go, ha, 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 I got it. Right, know? right. So, and I think seven-year-olds with three-year-olds, I mean, I can think of another family that's part of our podcast um, group, and sure enough, that's those seven-year-olds, I mean, they love creating rules to games. And there's even early childhood educators that are going to say that's one of the benefits of play is that um, of unstructured play for those seven and eight-year-olds, if they can go out there and make their own rules in the world in a play setting, then they learn um, a certain kind of leadership, a certain kind of finessing. As they learn skills that are invaluable. And sometimes in our world, we take away those opportunities because they're in, you know, soccer and, and basketball. They're in those team sports where they're supposed to do it according to adult rules. So, so sometimes that's kind of good. Sometimes we do step in and help out the three-year-old sure. say, hey, why don't you try to trade this for that with him, you know, in order for you to get the benefit this yeah. time. Oh, you know, and he does that. But my, my little one, she's a watcher, so she watches them. And we don't realize she she's, but she's watching everything that's up. going on. So, and sometimes she acts out. Right, just right. Because she's following the boys. Yeah. 
What's interesting is that all three of our kids are really good about taking turns, and they're all crazy, almost obsessive about taking turns. I mean, not, not only when it's their turn. They're all very good about saying, no, it's Eli's turn. They're all, like, very fair. So it was interesting when you said about Drew, um, you know, when it's not her turn, my kids are all three like that. Like, they, they're like... I love it. And I think that says a lot for the sibling dynamic. And I think that and I think your girls have that too, which is this real awareness and sensitivity to each other. Um, but let me go to the, the sensitive. Um, describe, if you can, that vulnerability. That whether it's in the emotions that they feel more intensely, um, the fairness that they might feel more intensely, or just the, the hurt. You know, when Erin, you said that, you know, that the seven-year-old is the one that feels it most deeply. You know, it, how would, what did you mean by that? Well, it's interesting also that you said about um, taking them out of activities or them being in after-school activities. I actually took him out of all sports when he was about three because he would feel those emotions so intensely. First, it starts with the separation, that he doesn't want to go into the class without me. And then from there... I always, I, I don't know if he doesn't, he, he just, he get I don't know how to explain it. Okay. He gets so intensely emotional. It's not about winning or losing. A lot of times it's about the fairness of things or the turn taking mm-hmm. or, um, I don't know. I always say that he's just too tired for sports. Okay. <laughs> I don't, because he gets so emotionally exhausted. Like he's so And that may intense. be, especially in the structure. But I think what you had just described, and I'm going to come back to you guys, because I'm, 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 it's resonating with the girls because it's the he will express. And so that's why the sensitive for me goes hand in hand with smart, because you have children that are very articulate. <laughs> I want this. I do not want that. And, and your girls are very vocal. And were from 18 months about what their needs are and what they want in a situation. Dylan especially, when she wants something, she won't stop until she gets it. Yeah, she won't. She doesn't stop. She does not stop. And, and she so, knows what she wants. But the struggle is if that's something that's not good, for, that you don't want her to have or that's not in her interest, then what happens? It could be anything. You could say... All right, it's time to go to bed, lie down. She'll look at you and say, no, I'm right. good. Right. I'm fine. Drew will just get it, and she'll go lie down. Right. Like we were told last year during school that all the kids had to um, clean up, put away their lunches before they could play. And we were told that Dylan would sit there for sometimes up to 40 minutes while all her friends were playing and just say, no. And then randomly, you know, and the teachers would say, you're missing out on playing, you know, don't you want it? And she'd say, I'm fine. Right. Her answer to everything, I'm fine, it's okay. And then finally she'll go do whatever it is when it's when she's ready on her and time. And so much of that is temperament. I mean, that to me is just the intense temperament and what it comes down to is it's got to be my way and it's black and white. And parenting in general with that kind of temperament style. And again, for educators as well, if you give, if you back them into a corner, if you give them an ultimatum, they will outlast you because they don't have anything else to do but dig in those heels. They don't have to go make dinner. They don't have to eat dinner. You know, they, they can hold out. And so you'll see them. And so then what happens is they approach with a my way resistance 
And then you end up in a power struggle if you start to go, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Um, the hard part is the waiting it out. And so what I always feel for that is, and right out of entitlement free is because it's, you can't always just give them what they insist and demand because then you end up raising a demanding child who thinks that the world can, will, will be there to respond on whim. Yeah. So what happens is, how do you, but, but if you resist, you have a power struggle and then you have a negative authoritarian relationship, which isn't desirable because I always say you don't want to go back to pre-entitlement. So how do you go forward? And to me, that is letting them know they're, some, they're part of something bigger than themselves. But so some of that is you can't manage the child. You have to manage the situation. And so I always think, like, how do you set up the bumpers so that you're moving them forward? Like, oh, I know you don't want to do it. I mean, usually with emotional coaching, and I think there's a lot of emotional support um, with smart and sensitive children. And then I think the other thing is that you have to be ready for the challenges because they're going to call you on it. Because yes. they are playing a chess game. And they are thinking three steps ahead of you because they have this social skill, whether it's with their siblings or with you. And so it's, um, okay, you know what? Take as long as you want. Um, and when you're done, you know, just don't engage. But don't make it an agenda issue. I think if you make it a, okay, it's like a punishment at school. But then just, you know, you can't move until, you know, how do you find that win-win situation that says, I honor and respect you? Um, back to giving tree, it's, you know, it's like, you don't like it. Are you sure you want me to read it? Because children will make choices that self-sabotage. That's the hard part is in that thinking. And in, they want to be... They want to feel the adrenaline of, I'm smart, I've got this, I'm, you know, like, I'm holding this big picture, but they can't manage it all. So you have to sort of de-escalate it, creating a safety net. And that's usually situation by situation, because I think they're going to outsmart you <laughs> situation by situation. <laughs> so the big question becomes, because I think in all parenting, Getting your children to listen, comply, be cooperative, all of that stuff never changes. I mean, you're doing it from the time they're 18 months till 18, at least. Um, so, deep breath. It, do it doesn't get easier. I mean, and it's not going to really change because they are who they are. And, and I'm going to ask you in a little while how you fit into this sensitive equation. Um, and, and I know that, that you have, like, a big open heart. So, like, I know that you feel deeply the stress of it. Um, but, but does it come down to, um, you know, this week is a challenge, and, and we, we need extra time to get things done. I need extra patience, so I'm doing this, this, and this so that I have the patience to, to respond appropriately or better than I might. And it and or do they just get you? Do they just win? I mean, is it a win lose? It, can you can you come up with win wins in the situation? Because I think what happens is, you know, if if they just dig their heels in deep enough, and wear you down, which I think is the smart factor. Like I'm relentless. I'm not giving up. Then you wear down, and then maybe it continues. I've noticed they just laugh at it. Because they don't believe you, because they know that they're getting, yeah, don't get they're their sucking way. you into the drama. Yeah, and it's like okay, cut my. So is it an emotional? 
I mean, now we're back to Aaron's original thing. So some of it is sensitivity. Some of it is, t- is, is real deep feeling. But also, you know, don't forget, when we think about multiple intelligences, we also know that there are children that are verbally smart, that they're, you know, logical, mathematical smart, but there's also children that are emotionally smart, and there are children and grown-ups who know how to exploit that. So let's say they know where the emotional buttons are, and they're vulnerable in their own emotional selves, but they also use it as a power to laugh, I mean, there, there's the what happens when you when they're laughing at you. I don't want to show you mad if I say, but I'm not the disciplinarian, so I I laugh with them. I think it's funny. Ooh, okay, and and we had we I've been you're not the first dad to sit in that particular chair and say it. I mean, I had another. I have dad. a lot of patience. Yeah, and we always have this conversation. I always have her back when she needs it. But some things, you know, to get them out of the bed, everything's a struggle. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they're acting really funny. I do think it's funny. And, and okay, so there's, there's two issues. One is the consistency and support issue because I promise you, on co-parenting guidelines, there is no doubt in my mind that if your children know that they can split you, then they will exploit that. And, and I don't expect you to do it Jolie's way, and I don't expect Jolie to do it your way. But the first rule of co-parenting is whoever speaks first rules. And yes. if you undermine each other in front of the children, then, your ch- you ne- that, then the respect, respect is more important than being right. So whoever is speaking gets respected in front of the children regardless of... <laughs> regardless of... Um, right or wrong because otherwise it just goes on forever they right. ju- they will know now you can say to jolie you know what you're in the power struggle you know you're 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 getting like you're digging your heels in at the same time they're digging your heels i'm gonna add humor and lightness um is that okay with you she'll give you the wink wink and says yeah i'm going for a walk around the block good luck with this you're on your own and let right. you really see if you can manage it or if it's really about the well, drama well i'll give you an example just to get them out of the bath they like to play and so he's like all right it's bedtime let's move along so if she's not around and they're doing that then i'm okay with that i think it's funny all right finally guys come on if she comes in the bathroom and says, all right, get out, I'm on board with her. All right, now it's time to get out. Okay. So it's never the undermining. Okay, awesome. So as long as they don't sort of categorize you as fun dad, you know, rural mommy. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Jolie, anything to add on the, um, um, that he's got your back? I mean, I'm probably told a hundred times a day, that's not fair. I want my daddy because I'm, like, not all about, you know, rules, but, like, when I'm home all day, it's, okay, now we have to do this. Now you have to brush your teeth. Now it's time for breakfast. Now it's, you know, and sometimes it's hard. I think that, like, most stay-at-home moms would probably feel when you're all day long, like, having to tell your kids what to do. No one wants to be told what to do all day, and no one wants to tell someone what to do all day, but when they're little... They have to be told what to do all day. Um, So then, you know, 90% of our day can be happy, fun, even if they don't listen or they, you know, they're not perfect, they're three. But 
those moments instantly, every time. I want my daddy. And so the question is, do they just say it because they know it'll get a, a, a rise from you? Or do they say it thinking that dad's really going to come in and rescue them from, from evil mommy? Um, no, I think that they say it, it's mostly, again, Dylan. I think she says it to, like, that's her way of, like, her... Expressing what she doesn't like that you're doing. Yeah, she looks yeah. like her letting me know she's mad. Okay. I'm like, okay, well, you know, later daddy will be home. And she looks at me, fine. Okay, and that usually is the end of it. And the only thing I would say, again, to the smart and sensitive is don't just respond to your daddy will be home, you'll get what you want, which is, which, which, which is fine, nothing wrong with it. It's not hurting anything. But you might want to come back with, you know, dad's going to be here for dinner. We're going to have a great night. But I know that you're just really mad at me right now. Go for the emotional coaching. Go for the message that she's really saying there, which is, oh, you know, I think you say that when you don't like what I'm saying. But daddy always supports mommy. You know, I mean, you can come back with a, I hear you, and a wink, wink, I really know what you're saying to me. Mm -hmm. Because, again, she is smart and sensitive, so call her on it. Call her and say, and but not in a... I mean, just in a really straightforward way, like, you know what, I, that, let, me hear, let me tell you the translation of what you just said to me. And that is, you know, not, I wish Daddy were home too. I can't wait for Dad to get home. I've had enough. <laughs> Which is really what's churned, you know, that's what we're all feeling. But the idea of going, yeah, you really just, you don't like it when Mommy, when mommy has to tell you what to do. So it, it, call, communicate to her heart and to what she's really saying so that... Or, or just with the knowledge, just with that wink in your eye that says, "I know what you, I know. I know what you're really saying to me, and it's okay, because I'm still going to be the mom that's teaching you the best thing." Okay, so you guys were sort of um, thinking that well, you've I, had scenarios like this. I, I think they tried to play us against each other all the time. Mm -hmm. So they'll go up to her and ask her questions. She says no. They'll come to me and ask in a different way. And sometimes I don't realize that she said no. Exactly. So now I have to go to her and say, hey, oh, I said no already. All right, sorry. No is a no. Right, right. So I'm not going to overrule her. We're, I mean, 99.9%, .9 we're always on the same page right. when it comes to that. But they, they are manipulative. They will, they, will go, they will go around and ask in different ways. They'll wait half an hour and ask Daddy. <laughs> they are studying you home. intently. So yes. they're doing it intentionally. It's pre-planned. It's, it's like, pre-planned. It's premeditated. It's, it's like they have a PhD in... in no, attorney. It's like they have a PhD in manipulation. Well, but this is... I mean, that's why this is a conversation to celebrate as much as it drives you crazy. But I also think that what happens is when they get you, you don't have to feel like you've lost. Or you don't... Have, but no, you can and, go, and sometimes hey! And then we'll get it. Sometimes they'll get us. And, and you can give them... And, and you can give them credit for it and go... You know what? You got us that time. But next time, we're really going to be, you know, like you can you can let them feel that pride and success, but still, I mean, it's right out of entitlement free child. Let them know you are smarter than them. It's so hard in the moment though. I it mean, it never is true in the moment. Go for when, it. When they, you know, my um my middle one is similar to Dylan in that they're he's very stubborn as well and he there's no amount of comfort. I mean, there's nothing. There's no... The first one, the oldest one, I can 
I can kind of guilt and manipulate into <laughs> what I need him Aren't to do. Aren't you proud of that? So Redirect. 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 You know, the Thanks. little one, she's still little. We'll see. But the middle one, he digs his heels in, and there is no telling him anything. I mean, he is... He's like that where he would sit at the table for 40 minutes mm-hmm, before he would do mm-hmm. anything. And Jolie and I always talk about this, about him eating, because he has really horrible eating habits. Not that he has horrible eating habits. He's very, very picky. And there's there's no way around it. So either I make something that he likes for everybody, and that's our dinner, and that's what he can eat, or I make sure that there's at least one thing that he will Perfect. eat, or... Um, or he's not eating, and there's nothing. It doesn't matter how hungry he is, and I'm the one that's punished because he's up all night, you know, restless and uncomfortable, and he wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning starving if he doesn't get dinner. Well, here's an old tip that a psychologist gave me a long, long time ago, and he said instead of getting into food battles, um, I mean, just make that that extra, and, and dads are like, no, no, dads can be tougher on this than moms, but the idea of going to bed hungry, he said just give him a piece of white bread and a glass of milk. <laughs> Well, and it'll just we like do, we do now I always have hard boiled eggs in the fridge and if he doesn't want what we're eating he can have a hard boiled egg a cheese stick or a piece of fruit a, a, not, nothing that I have to cut prepare but or think anything. about it for the and middle of it. the night the thing of him being restless something that will right. just weigh him down right. the other thing that I want to just ask one, one more question <laughs> is is the how sensitive are you guys you know, in the sense of when you're going through this, how much are you feeling with your children through that struggle? Okay, you're laughing, so you've got to go first. I mean, I'm, I'm quite sensitive. I feel it all. This morning we had a situation, and I literally had to throw my hands up, and I left the room, and I went in my room and, like, started throwing pillows. I, okay. I have to... I try not to do it in front of them as much, but I... When I was younger, when they were younger, I it would get me really worked up and really intense, and I, it's really hard to, you know, roll that back. So to, this morning I just said, I took uh, him off my lap, and I just said, okay, I have to excuse me. And I left the room and Mommy just started throwing break. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just... And, and okay, any... How, no, this, this morning was just crazy. There, okay. There, there were, you there were was, both feeling it. There were, yeah, they were nuts. Uh, there was no way of controlling them, and I lost. I lost it. I did. I, okay. I, I lost it. And I actually apologized to my oldest one this afternoon when I picked him up from camp. And how did he respond to that? Good. Yeah. It's like, it's you know, I get I get it because there's the that's the, the social-emotional skill building that you're saying, you know, I know how you feel, and I lose it too. You know, I know. And because I think that if you're going to have smart, sensitive children, you get to be their role models through it. And chances are... It's part of their DNA, and it, and I think it's part of you know your experience as well. And I think the struggle with it is that you feel deeply for their struggles, and you want those struggles to be able to go away. But I think it comes down to when you're watching them dig their heels in and 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 really sit in there, that you're struggling for them and with them, and it's and it's really hard to say, you know what. I will cherish and hold your struggle for you and be here on the other side. I mean, before we got started on this, we talked about mm-hmm. how we all have each other's back. And to be able to know your children, that, that, your, that you have your children's back, but that it's not going to feel good 
going through it. And I think that's the hard part is... It's so hard in the moment. You can't change trying it. Trying to, yeah. in, the, in that moment, trying to take, you know, trying to remember, you know, we're, he, we're here for them and with them, not against them, is a really... And what do they need? Right? You know, what do they need to be, to, to get, to manage this? And, and maybe there's nothing you can give them, but that they need to go into that room and hit some pillows. Or that they need to look at that book six more times, and it's going to, like, stress them out. But I can't let it go until I've understood it at least as much as I need to understand it right here, right now. And when, they, when they're stuck in the can't let it go, because some, that is some of it in smart and sensitive is, I can't let it go. But you have a song out there called Let It Go, you know, <laughs> that become, you know, and, and then, and you use that, especially with three-year-olds to say, like, how can you let something go when it doesn't feel good, when it, when it's, when you're stuck, you know, and, and give them some self-awareness. I think at three, you can start building this little bit of emotional currency that goes, you know what, I think you're getting stuck. What do you need? And I, and I have an article that I'll post tomorrow. Um, and it, there's a very funny song. It's, um, uh, it, I'm hungry, I need a Band-Aid. And it's a hysterical song because it's how kids don't know what they need in any given situation. But it's a great funny way of saying, do you need a Band-Aid? And they're gonna. Sometimes they might just say yes because a band aid fixes everything. And sometimes they might say no. I need ice cream. Like yeah. really? Like if we have ice cream, will it make it all better? I mean that sort of reflection and that sort of how do I look at my emotions outside of myself and feel okay with it, or being able to just give them that pillow time that says, you know what? I don't think there's anything I can do for you. I think you need a minute or five. You let me know how many minutes do you need today? One or five. Mm-hmm. And let the, and and let the, again that just gives them that little bit of control because what happens when they're stuck? They feel out of control and they have to dig in deeper. What happens when they when they're manipulating? They're they're hungry for this more control and this power. And three-year-olds are all about power, and seven-year-olds are about power and negotiation. So it, it gets to be like power cubed. So it's developmentally, it makes sense, but it, it makes it much, much harder for you. But I also think it means taking that minute to say, what happens when I get stuck? What do I need? And how do I use that to inform how I'm going to teach them this kind of emotional literacy? So, um, I mean, I'm always, st- I mean, I don't ever let things go. So I'm like, the, my kids probably won't let things go. Well, so deep breath so it all the the first step on that before even nobody's gonna even try to say like oh let me teach you how to let it go the first step is how do you just accept that how do you say you know what that's who I am and I love that in myself because right now I'm not changing that right now I'm a mom with three-year-old twins who are busy and smart and a little and demanding in a good way but time-consuming and overwhelming, and, you know, dads don't get home fast enough to... So how do you just love that in them and in yourself? So some of... Because before because the first place not to go with sensitive is, I'm going to fix that part of you. I'm going to change that part of you. Because then they have to resist more. 
then they have to be like, no, no, mom. And, and you used the phrase, Aaron. It was like, we're not on the same side. You know, if the podcast name is See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, mm. it's how do I see you, hear you, and love you exactly where you are in this crazy stage, at this crazy age, with this crazy temperament, and then in baby steps give you the skills to then go, I'm stuck, what do I need? Okay, so there's, there's the next podcast is um, getting children to say what they need. And I do believe by pre-K for sure, and in this next year, that you can start saying, okay, tell me what you need. But they're not going to know that straight up because they're going to say candy first. You know, they're going to they're yeah. going to go for the leverage. But then you're gonna you can help them go. Mm, I don't think that's going to make you feel better. So t- let's try again and and really do some coaching through it. So time flies. I told you it would fly. Um, so let's do our wrap up. And knowing that you have a million more things that we can talk about tonight. Um, you have smart, sensitive children. You have children who are socially precocious with their friends, with their siblings, with you. They know how to maneuver. They know how to strategize. And we don't want to change that. But we do have to channel it for the good. How have you got this? For your own sanity or for theirs, how have you got this for today, for this week, for right now, for each other? Ricky, you're on. For me, it's fairly easy. I think because I give in, and I'm fine with that. Okay. So, I really am. <laughs> I mean, if if they want something, and it's reasonable, I'll give it to them. Okay. You know, it happens every day. And I, and I and 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 except that the rest of the table is chuckling. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I'm going to recommend, and I don't usually give homework at the end of these, yeah. um, but but in the in the co-parenting guidelines, tip number three, is sit and talk once a week for 15 minutes about how you're doing this together, and and I'm and it works for you, and the giving in works for your girls. Um, but I, you have to sit with Jolie every week for 15 minutes no, and tell go, you why. did it work with you this week? I'll tell you why. For me, I'm gone all day. The hour and a half, two hour window I'm with them, I'm very tolerant. Okay, if you want to stay in the bathtub, this, that, and the other. But we are on the same page yeah. when it comes to... I'll give you one example real quick, which made me really sad. Last week... Um, we lie in bed with them every night, read stories, play a couple songs, then we leave, and hopefully they're sleeping by then. If not, we still leave. Dylan, out of nowhere, said to Jolie, I want to lie with Daddy. And Drew wanted to lie with me, and it was Drew's night. We switch off every night. So she looked at Jolie and said, I don't want to lie with you. I'm fine. Leave the room. And it made me feel bad. Like, she was sad, and... Then I said, you know, I'm gonna, that's not how we are. We do things together. We're a family. So I'll leave the room, too. So that kind of, we have that kind of good, unity. Good, good, If you remember that happening. She's but, um, not, she is nodding. <laughs> but her eyes are rolling a little, so we're not 100% sure. <laughs> I'm not sure but, I remember that exactly happening, but I and, and think well, I know we, what But that's the important of. thing is to check in with each other and make sure <laughs> that that in your generosity, affection, and kindness that you're not creating a piece of um, the I want my daddy, 
Um, right. So, because they, and, and you, you were there in that moment, but. But they do it to me. I, I want mommy. Okay, good. So it's, it goes both So ways, it's fair. Obviously, yeah. Jolie, how have you got this? Um, well, obviously, I, you know, get frustrated at times, but I try to really, which I think I've like always tried since they were born to be like in the moment with them and the things that a lot of times sound stupid where you read, you know, validate your kids' emotions and things like that when you actually try to, when you actually do it or read books with them about feeling. I mean, we read the feelings book all the time and we like sometimes play like act out feelings or, you know, okay, that Barbie's going to be frustrated. And so I feel like for me right now, like talking to them about feelings and like actually validating them. And I mean, even if they're ridiculous, helps a lot. And I think you've and I think it helps as them long a lot. as I've known you with the girls when they were little. And that is the challenges are there, but your investment in that conversation is has always been huge. Yeah, and I and I, I think that the the, the complexity of your relationship shows it. And and so for all the struggles you have to be really, really proud yeah. of what you're doing. Both of you. Yeah. Peter I think we're pretty consistent when it comes to all of them. I think the biggest struggle is the, I would say, the age appropriateness for whether it's breaking the rules or, you know, what kind of, I guess, punishment or whatever happens to one of them, and it's always not fair to one or the other, whether it's the person that's getting it or the other one that says, hey, well, that's not what you did to me the other day, you know, you didn't smack, and I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, 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 it's very hard to manage all three of them with, you know, because you do, can't. I mean, you, it's the, it's and the, and it's the motto of parents of have, twins is same is not fair. You, you can't have, so you can't do it the same. It wouldn't work. A uniform code, um, a uniform book, book for all three of them. So that, I think that's the, that's the biggest challenge. Right, trying to switch and trying to switch. Exactly. And, you know, go to and this one and talk mm-hmm. to this one this way and this one this way, especially when they all come at us. Yeah. Right. Right. Three, and, three and, little ones is they, a big challenge. And, and three overall too. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, how have you got this? Well, my takeaway from this is that um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try harder to stay in the moment and before them and with them instead of against them. I think that um, again in that moment it's hard to do. You know, you know what's right for them and what they need to do, and it's just you just want them to just do it. But we um, I'm gonna try harder to to be more like Jolie and have better conversation and, and um, you know, work through their feelings with them so that they don't become, you know, emotionally dead adults. <laughs> it cannot happen. It cannot happen. And so I think, and again, my other motto that is a quote that I've always loved is, we only really teach ourselves. And so... Yes, you know, you have this great friendship that supports one another and you get to share your stories, but um, your way of going into that bedroom and beating on those pillows is teaching your children something really honest and true about yourself that will be that will matter for them. And the losing it too. I mean, I think that I, I really think that um, being the parent you are in the moment is as, is as strategically important as meeting your children where they are in the moment. So. I know that you guys really have this, so thanks so much for sharing. Thank Thank you. you. 
So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to The Front and The Follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.